Gary. Yo, yo. Hey. What's happening, guys? Hey. I don't know. You guys sound really quiet on my end, I think. Yeah, we got. I got to move the mic around. I'm trying to turn this. Uh, here we go. I'm trying to turn the camera on. I think what I got to do is close OBS real quick. And then let's see. Turn the camera on. Logitech. There we go. The, okay, the exposure is not too bad anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a lot on, better. Man. Here, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Is man. the volume? I mean, is the volume better? Because uh, yeah, it sounds good. Ryan, get over here and oh, yeah. I know it's far away. So sit down and see if he can hear you. If not, we'll just move it a little closer. The camera looks like a little we... focus. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Can you hear Ryan? Ryan, can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you, man. Is it? What up? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, stop this. Better? That's better. Cool. Cool, man. Should Should we move the microphone closer? Can you, Ryan? Can you say something like I'm an answer? I feel like we should move the microphone closer, but probably Ryan's a little bit quiet. I mean, it's it's. I can hear you guys, but um, if you can I mean, get closer, then yeah, try it. We can put it on this side. I just don't want it to obscure the camera. But I guess, yeah, that's probably a lot better, actually, right? Yeah, this uh, looks better, at least from, from us. Sounds good to me, honestly. I can just turn the volume up. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> right, we'll see how it's like. We don't want to speak to the side, because so it'll have an echo. All right. All right. It's all good? So many rules. Sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. Chilling, man. How's uh, how's everything? You guys have a good day. Yeah, yeah, it's a good day. I'm nice. exhausted now because it's been long, but yeah, yeah, it was really good day. Long day. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I brought you guys on here because I like what you're doing, and I think you have a pretty interesting story. Um. And it's a story that I think people just kind of need to hear. So, I mean, if you want to just have at it, you can just tell us a little bit about um, kind of your journey so far and uh, your journey with ayahuasca and, you know, whatever else you want to yeah. tell the world. I was thinking I would s start talking uh, about like circa November 2019 okay. and just go from there. And then after I kind of get into it, you know, Ryan might have some things to say, we can get into a little more backstory. But um, so around like November, like early November of 2019. Um, so at this point, I had been into heroin addiction pretty uh, for about 10 years, and methadone addiction, um, daily addiction for seven years. Um, I say addiction, even though I was prescribed it from the doctors, it's still, an, I still believe it to be an addiction of some sort. And um, yeah, so, you know, 10 years going on heroin addiction, I, I just turned, uh, you know, I was just about to turn 28. And um, 
so my brother comes up to me and he's telling me about ayahuasca and just some of the studies, the studies coming out about psychedelics and how they can help with addiction and, and different mental illnesses and stuff, mentals. And, uh, I was pretty against it, you know, cause I, I had done psychedelics in the past and I knew that there was, um, I knew that, I knew that psychedelics were extremely powerful and had the potential to be extremely powerful, but, um, I was scared of it for that reason. And I wasn't really sure what to expect either. I hadn't done psychedelics since, uh, you know, 17 or 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, even at that point, I didn't really know what they were or what to expect from them. And so, yeah, about two weeks before this experience, I remember I was on a walk with a, a friend, a good friend of mine who asked me if I would ever, if she thought, she asked me if I thought I'd ever get clean from heroin or methadone. And I, I think I said like, yeah, I hope so. But I think like the, deep down, I, I really don't think I had, a, I mean, honestly, I don't think, I really didn't think I was going to. Mm-hmm. It's weird that that question was just posed to me two weeks before the ayahuasca because people didn't really ask me that a whole lot throughout my active using but anyway so like end of november you know the last week in november uh ryan i'm finally like all right i'm willing to take the ayahuasca i wasn't even like i was willing to ryan was like you know this is the day you should do it because you know we kind of planned it and even that morning i was really fighting it but um, eventually i took it and you know had this experience and uh, overnight I stopped using the heroin. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Crazy because I had, I mean, I've said this before, um, on our podcast and other places, but I used every single day for six months plus like every single day for six months plus. And I had this experience. I just stopped using. Um, but at that point I was still on a high dose of methadone. Um, and so over the following three and a half to probably about three and a half months after the ayahuasca, I went from a really high dose of methadone, you know, 120 milligrams down to about one milligram. And then I relapsed. I relapsed when I got down to one milligram because, you know, the withdrawal was, the withdrawal was really uh, intense. Um, I relapsed. I overdosed twice within about two, almost three weeks. You know, came extremely close to death both times. Had to be uh, revived with Narcan, and um, luckily the second time I, I was revived, overdose. Um, I woke up and I had my family around me, and I made the decision that I needed to go to rehab and get off methadone. And two to three days later, I was in rehab. Uh, the following day, refused my methadone, and I have not taken my methadone since that day. And it's now been about you know, closer, closer to 11 months now since that day, uh, which is the wow. longest time that I've ever been clean in my entire adult life by far. Mm-hmm. That's nuts, um, man. So that's just like the straight facts of it. Like we can get into like other stuff, but I mean, that, that's just like the, uh, that's just the truth, like of, of the facts of it. So what did ayahuasca show you that made you want to switch up just so quick? Did you still have the craving for ayahuasca and did you just not listen to the craving or was it just totally not in your mind at all? The craving for the heroin? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't really have words for what happened. 
it was a, I, I can say it was, I don't really have, I never really understood what a mystical experience it was, but if, if I think we lost you, man. Um, hey, can you hear me? I just missed all that. Um, all right. We left so off at mystical experience. <laughs> right. So what I was saying was I, I don't, I'm not sure I really know, ever knew what the, uh, what a, a mystical experience really was. Um, but if I had to put into words what the ayahuasca experience was for me, um, you know, I'd say it was a mystical experience if, if, if I ever knew a ex mystical experience. I mean, there were things about myself. I mean, I guess I should, going into it, I had one intention and there are maybe three intentions, but they all surrounded around the one of like looking at my life. What have the drugs done to me, done to the people around me? You know, why am I doing it? I don't know. It was just like going into it, like to really examine myself and what the drugs have done for me and what they mean to me. Mm. Um, there was like three things I wrote down beforehand. One of which was, you know, show me, show me the love that has kind of left me that I used to have, you know, when I was younger um, mm -hmm. and a couple other just like heartfelt, like one liners that I read. Did it show you that kind of love? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it did 100%. It, sh it, it got me in, in touch with the youthful um, love, outpouring of love and youthful. Just like a back to your childhood in a way. Yeah, I mean, it really made me feel like, um, and I've said this to Ryan and some other people before, but it really made me feel like I was a, I was a kid again. Like I had the optimism and the... Um, and uh, I feel like I had the potential that I used to feel when I was a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. That's powerful, man. It was extremely powerful. Um, yeah. 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 I think, you know, part of the story as well is like, what, 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 what I did, what do we do now? And like, what have I done since then? That's really um, continued to help make the change because one experience extremely um like influential in my life but like how it's really hard to take that fast forward a year five years i mean yes it's still powerful actually i'd say the more that time goes on the more powerful that that experience was um mm. but yeah so anyway so like when i overdosed we had to find another way to kind of tap back into, I guess, like, I mean, you should probably talk about it too, but like kind of, we wanted to find a way to like tap back into that psychedelic experience without taking a psychedelic again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause we, I mean, we, I experienced it. I don't need to take a psychedelic mm -hmm. to, to kind of tap back into it, kind of feel it and explore it. Um, yeah. As long as I'm willing and able to go deep into it and, so that's what our kind of our plan was like Ryan was like we knew the the power of the experience but um so do you yeah, think I mean, it's like something you can really tap into it well that experience go ahead yeah i mean it is i, I 
it is 100 it, it i can tap into it at will because i do constantly all the time mm. whenever i'm having doubts of anything i'm tapping into it um I well, mean, how could you describe that is it like this unspeakable force that you can kind of just gives you some kind of like intuition in a way yeah i mean it definitely intuition there's um yeah when, when, i mean like mystical experience what does that mean it means that there's something beyond myself that i could i tapped into or something right i mean mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean when i'm down when i think you know why am i doing anything it's not helping whatever any doubtful just like any time throughout the day throughout the week throughout the any time that i'm feeling really down i just i think back to that moment and it's like just a revitalization of like i this is why i'm doing this it makes so mm. much sense you know it, it it really does and so, so like it sent you a message in a way yeah i'd say it definitely sent me a message mm. i mean it, i don't think it was any messages that i hadn't known previously but like we were talking about how it kind of uh, puts you in that childlike state it kind of just kind mm. of revi revitalizes messages that were have kind of been lost over time mm. i mean Ryan had a psychedelic experience about three years ago or so. And um, so he knew the, he knew, and he was, you know, doing a lot of research on the studies of it and whatnot. So he like knew that there was power in it. Um, yeah. I mean, my question was, how do you take a psychedelic experience like that and make it useful for the rest of your life? Because I had a 23, I was depressed and I had was pushed to psychedelics out of desperation. And I, had a psilocybin experience at 23 first time with a psychedelic and my life started to change drastically within literally the next day i started changing habits in my life and i thought it was all better but then like three months four months down the road my habits started to fall off and it felt like that experience had been lost like the energy or momentum or um, motivation from it was no longer keeping me going and so I relapsed into patterns of dis destructive patterns and ended up getting more depressed than ever. But there was still a little hope because the hope was I knew these things were powerful. It's just, I don't know how to use them. And mm -hmm. even like researching like Johns Hopkins and, and other studies and even ancient tribes, like, and how they use them, it wasn't like a clear cut, you know, this is how you do it. And that's because I think psychedelics don't have that. They yeah. are inherently, you know, unique to the individual and subjective. So the way they're used are probably going to follow that, that too, and be very subjective and the integration too. I mean, we created a integration type practice that has been really helpful for us and it allows us uh, to, to go back into those, you know, meaningful experiences of our past, not only psychedelic experience, but also childhood events and traumatic experiences, revisit those things emotionally and feel them and process what was going on. And from there, we can start to uh, let it go and be able to be more present in the moment. And that's really the goal is for us is to accept the present moment and be present as much as possible because that's where life happens. Mm. So you guys have developed a practice that allows you to kind of um, go internally and confront some things that you may not be able to uh, 
you know, without whatever this practice is? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'll speak for myself. It's 100% um, up there with the psychedelic experience and in, in the amount of um, positive, you know, things that I've gained from it. Like it's helped me just as much, at, but I think it's like a two part thing. Like, I don't think I would be able to do it without the ayahuasca. And I don't think the, uh, I, and I don't think it would be as meaningful without the ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Plus, we probably wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the ayahuasca. I mean, like I had the ayahuasca experience. It was, you know, really hard to process, but it was I knew it was meaningful. I knew I was gaining insight from it. But like how we were we were deciding we were trying to figure out like, okay, but how do we prolong that? Mm-hmm. So what we what we found was um, and I don't know. We're not like I don't know if you've ever heard of Terrence McKenna, but he's the man. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. So like we saw this, this video, he talks about cannabis. He said, and he says it, I don't think it's very, a very popular uh, talk of his, but he says, you know, if you were to optimally use cannabis, he says it would be once a week in silent darkness with the best (laughs) cannabis you can and Mm -hmm. just load yourself with it. Um, (laughs) And I don't know how many people do that. So Ryan and I were like, well, let's, let's try something like that. I mean, we were originally wanted to, we altered it a little bit, but I mean, we do it out in woods and with each other and we add some other things in like uh breathing techniques silence eye gazing and it all kind of holistically comes together to be this really meaningful ritual that we do and every week that we do it we've been doing it for like nine ten months now when we first started it was very there was nothing real special about it it was just very simple going out in woods sitting around in a circle smoking and sitting in silence but now it's developed into very ritualized and structured uh practice that every week it, it can kind of bring us back to where to bring us back to what we're doing why we're doing what we're doing you yeah. know the meaning mm-hmm. behind it yeah i mean it definitely taps into past psychedelic past traumatic past um big experience like big events in our life but <laughs> even more than that, it just gives, it seems to give me what I need every week in the sense that like you, Ryan was just saying, it kind of just grounds us and puts us right back where um, we, sh- we won't, we want to be because yeah. Yeah. And it gives us a chance to evaluate our decisions over the past week. Like it's not about like being the best person we can be until we eventually die. It's just, I want to be the best person I can be this week or this day. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like reevaluate next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I wanted to say like, yeah, I've stopped using opiates, you know, since, uh, the ayahuasca, but even after the ayahuasca, I was still smoking nicotine habitually, you know, um, with a jewel and then eventually cigarettes. And I was drinking a lot, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, you know, I was going out and seeing women and that was something that that was almost, those were my new vices really. But since doing the this integration thing, you know, I was doing it for a while. The beautiful thing about the Sunday integration is like I would go through these nights where I would be drinking, smoking cigarettes and hooking up with these girls. The next morning I would be there in that Sunday ritual. Mm-hmm. There was no escaping what I had just done the day. It wasn't like a few days later and I can forget about it. It's like I'm right there. And I and and it wasn't like anybody was telling me to confront it. It's just I knew I was there to confront that and to feel to feel the disgust that I ultimately felt from it. Like I didn't want, that's not a lifestyle I want to do is like drinking, hooking up with women and smoking cigarettes and just that lifestyle. Like that's just not, 
what I want out of life. And yeah. but it's really hard to see that in the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so my, I guess my point is, you know, since uh, in the past, like three months, you know, we've been doing this integration for about nine, almost 10 months. And uh, my point is in the past, like three months, I've been able to cut out nicotine pretty much like entirely uh, mm-hmm. drinking here and there, but not nearly as much as I was like maybe once a month, maybe, maybe twice a month. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm not like going out looking to hook up with women because I don't know. I just have more like self ability to not do that just to be okay with like sitting there and, and, and just living and, and just getting through the day without thinking about what, what can I do to distract myself? I guess. So like just that's being with yourself more. Yeah. So I'd say like, that's, those, those are some of the major benefits that I've gotten from just holding the space and time each week where we just, we do that, you know, we do the, the ritual. Can you guys go over what you do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not a secret. It's just, uh, you know, we ultimately, we, I think we both, we'd both like to see, um, We'd both like to see other people do this, but we don't, we can't, whatever we do, like Ryan said, this like, whatever we do, we can't expect other people to do exactly what we do and get the same benefits mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's different, you know, it's you guys direct experience. Yeah. And like the things that we do, it only is, it's not meaningful because of like certain aspects of whatever it's meaningful because of it's just a decision that we decided to do and over time it's gained more meaning and more meaning but there are certain things that we advocate for that are really helpful for getting into like a ritualized uh, altered state and, and connecting with people on a deeper level and um i mean we use cannabis because that provides an altered state that is actually helps us confront a lot of our um a lot of fear and anxiety like people say cannabis gives them paranoia that's kind of in a way like we're not trying to make ourselves paranoid but we want we encourage feelings so we encourage the feel of fear and also gratitude and love and cannabis can help lower the barriers that we have developed to that um mm-hmm. and so we also do extended periods of silence and meditation or, or focusing on our breath after we smoke the cannabis we sit around a fire we um we do eye gazing yeah we we eye gaze for it, we, there's four people in that's the intense school. yeah getting really uh, high and just staring into each other's eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sound, it, it sounds like you can appreciate that i think most people can but um to some people i'm sure it sounds like that's kind of stupid <laughs> i can see how it can be a powerful thing yeah and yeah. so it helps us yeah, the other thing about it is we don't smoke outside of that setting. So it's not like we're getting high all the time. We go there, we get high again. It's like we have uh, kind of pledged to each other that um, that that Sunday morning is the only time we're going to smoke. So you can you can imagine smoking once a week in that setting. You're going to get pretty fucking. Yeah. Uh, pretty, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's something that I kind of understood about ancient tribes, too. Like down in South America ayahuasca tribes it's not like they're doing ayahuasca outside the ritual setting it's that's sacrilege you know you keep the the sacred substance in the ritual and so that's why i mean i used to smoke in a cannabis in a very destructive way or 
pretty destructive smoking every day whenever I had free time. And that's just how I'd waste my time. And mm. I didn't really think after my first psilocybin experience, I didn't really think that cannabis could be used in a positive way, like psilocybin. But over time I realized virtually every, any substance can be used in a constructive way if you have the right setting behind it. Mm-hmm. And cannabis has been able to provide that for us, especially only using it once a week. And also the other things that go into it, like we're hiking up into nature for five minutes, sitting in silence, breathing. Uh, we incorporate some interest, some different breathing techniques, some more like Wim Hof, others more like just slow, intentional breathing. And then we will eye gaze for, I don't know, five minutes each maybe, or sometimes it goes a lot longer, sometimes not. And then we'll close by talking about what came up, you know, what we were feeling in it. And uh, yeah, I wanted to say in a way, in a way it's kind of similar to like, um, I mean, I don't want to make comparison, but I do because there are similarities, but there's also a lot of differences between this and like an AA meeting, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess, I don't know. Um, I don't know how keen you are on AA or what, what you know about it, but I, do I don't want know to too say much. That, uh, okay. Well, you know, uh, I mean, there's main, there's pretty much a couple main tenets. It's community that connected. You're more capable of handling your struggle than disconnected and vulnerability and sharing your story leads to deeper connection. And okay. those, those are two things that we uh, agree with. And we, uh, and I don't know, I don't think we got them from AA. It's just, yeah. we, we see the value in them. So yeah, they're good tenants. Yeah. 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 Well, one thing that I really admire about AA is it, is it's a, they call it, call it a fellowship and there's so much power in that. I mean, there's so much power in everybody striving for the same goal. That's what we have in this setting. It, we're all striving to be better people. We're all striving to, overcome our vices we're all striving to um just have our influence you know yeah and uh, that's the thing like we all have equal say in how this thing develops like if you go to aa you have to follow these certain rules like pretty much they say it's abstinence only like no substances except for obviously caffeine and nicotine but besides <laughs> that everything else is off limits and if you do those things you have to say you know oh i relapse and like there's stuff in that that doesn't promote growth i think it promotes shame and guilt and guilt and it perpetuates the cycle mm. so like in our group you can you can come up and say oh i had a, a bender this weekend and i did a bunch of drugs and it's like you'll be accepted it, it will be disappointed because we want to see you do well but it's not like oh you've you've messed up you have to do something to, it, it, no it's you're accepted and that's one thing i learned with rory is that like his our whole life uh while he was struggling with his addiction it always seemed like you know he'll have to get better in order for us to really like accept you fully like once you get once you deal with this then you'll be accepted in the family again right now you're kind of the black sheep and all of our problems are because of you because and it yeah i'll tell you if, from an addict's point of view that will never ever help it only makes mm-hmm. it only made things worse because too much pressure. Yeah, it's like exactly. It's like too much pressure. It's like an overwhelming amount of pressure. I'll tell you that. Like it's yeah. it's just like, what's the point? Why is why do I have to get better for you guys if you're not gonna kind of accept someone where there's at where they're at? And mm. I think there's a big message in that. 
yeah, I mean, it's the difference between loving unconditionally and loving with contingencies. Like, mm. I'll, I'll love you when you overcome this addiction. And that's never yeah. how it was. Like, we always loved Rory, but there was always this, like, we had to hold back a little bit. Because if you, if you know someone who's an addict, there's a good chance that they'll die. So it's like, you can't put all your love into that. There's this fear of, oh, um, yeah. he's going to let me down. Which, which I want to say is like, I don't blame there's no part of me blamed any of them for not for or f- hypothetically I would never blame someone for not accepting me when I'm a drug addict because how how could I expect someone to there's too much invested there's too much emotion there's too much everything on the line uh, so I'm not saying that I'm not saying like oh they should or shouldn't I'm just saying from my point of view I knew I know what it feels like to not be accepted and that is it just doesn't help mm. and so like part of our story part of you know, what we're going through is Ryan, I think was going to say, and I don't know if he did say, but basically once he accepted me and told me it's okay, it's okay. If you're an addict, it's okay. If you use drugs, it doesn't matter. We're still going to be here for you. Uh, not only saying that, but showing me through, I guess, through this, um, this integration practice. Cause when we started this integration practice, I was still using because I had just, I had just relapsed. So I, I did the ayahuasca a few back in November. This is now like April. I relapsed because I had come down off of methadone so much down to such a low one milligram, literally like 120 milligrams down to one milligram in a very short amount of time. And I overdosed because I was super just out of, I don't know. Uh, I was scared, <laughs> I guess. Um, but, but in this, um, in the second ritual, yeah, second ritual. It was the next day I overdosed, and then I went to rehab, and I've come back. And yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't want to make it seem like this ritual makes everything else like easy. I mean, I st- I'm still living life. I'm still going through life just as everyone else is. It's still really mm-hmm. friggin' friggin' difficult, but it, it's very reassuring. It's like the most reassuring thing I've ever had is knowing that I'm gonna get back there on Sunday and be there with Ryan and Tom and you know, the people that were there with four people right now. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have any desire to use heroin. I haven't had any any cravings really. I, I really don't see a purpose for it anymore. If there's, you know, it's, if there's anything that I need, I can get it from people. I don't need it from heroin anymore because I've seen people have shown me the people, people that love me have shown me. Yes, we are there for you. And yes, we do feel what you're feeling. We feel, everything and that's like the most powerful empowering thing for me yeah that's awesome dude just starts with the acceptance right yeah absolutely wow that's pretty powerful man so this ritual is i mean it's unique to you guys but i think it's important for everybody to have a certain kind of ritual in their life you know whether it's playing an instrument or reading something or doing yoga or meditation or just smoking some weed in the woods going for a walk whatever it is just something to just make us um get us connected you know with that frequency that we're talking about like touching upon that place that ayahuasca touches upon that it's kind of like a a frequency a vibration that we can kind of tune into and when we tune into it it's almost like it it's like a guide in a way to show us the way of how to live our life and, and it might not always be pretty but that's okay you know it's like it's just like touching into like this 
weird like other side you know like other than the material world and all this this crazy paradigm that we're in like these whatever the ritual is for yourself allows you to just or allows me at least to be able to um understand my place and then from understanding my place in this world i can i act accordingly you know so it's just all lessons it's like reaching upon that like other side and that other side is kind of like continually teaching us lessons if you know how to tap in it's pretty cool man absolutely man and it's and like you said it's not always easy uh it's Mm -hmm. absolutely not one of the hardest things that i've had to go through is like accepting myself and like i could be in that lifestyle but more recently i've done less of that and what i've been what i've managed to be able to do is kind of sit there with myself it was in the darkness and the quietness and and just kind of instead of pass the time with these vices just pass the time without doing anything that's in my opinion one of the hardest things in the world to do like that's really what we're training we should be training our brains to be able to do because then we're able to cope with all of the stuff that we previously weren't able to cope with and what I, and so like I like how you said I want to talk about like how you said it's good to have like rituals for everyone like they can be doing an instrument or they can be doing meditation so like that's amazing I agree with that 100 um, percent but I guess that's a little different than what we do because what we do is it's not just a singular singular person doing it so I don't know if it's well I think there is I don't know what the importance is to to make the distinction or if there is any at all but I think there's something so powerful about having like an acceptance of other people there too. And I'm not saying that we need to, I know you that. mean like, obviously we need to be doing, we need to be doing like rituals on our own and, and empowering things on our own. Um, it's good yeah. when like everybody's on the same vibe when you can all like, kind of like this power yeah, exactly I mean, in a way. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, one of the most valuable things for me is like, when Rorty was able to get off methadone and when he was in rehab, like those, that was so empowering for me and it helped me motivated me to do better. And whereas like, if I'm, if I don't have that, then it's, it's kind of more on me. And I think like you said, there are these individual rituals that we can do that, that can, that can do that for us. It, it gives us an anchoring point to see, you know, where we came from and then direct ourselves more in the future with meditation um, meditation, certain music, exercise. There are a lot of ways to do that, but I think it's absolutely essential that, that we do that because without it, we're just racing through life. And I noticed that, especially when I come home from Sunday ritual, I realize how fast I'm getting, going through things. And it's, it's almost like I'm just trying to get to the next moment instead mm-hmm. of just accepting and enjoying the, the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I need, that's like a thing I need to be reminded of often at least once a week probably once or twice a day because since i was a kid you know we've kind of been indoctrinated with this like live fast kind of mentality of like get 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 and you talked about like uh tuning into something that isn't in this physical realm like i think about that constantly i think about this physical realm as secondary and the immaterial that all this came from we can tap into that that is super valuable and it's super empowering and it's not like it's not easily to be easy to understand that logically but through an mm-hmm. experience it's it's an experiential thing mm-hmm. and these rituals can, can tap us into that and these psychedelics can too yeah they're just tools man that's all it is yeah. 
you have to use it in the correct manner. Like it's the same thing with a hammer. You can use it to build stuff or you can use it to destroy stuff. It's how, how you use these tools. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Do you know much about Carl Jung? A little bit. I mean, I'm not, I've maybe read one book of his, but like not a lot. Why? Yeah. I mean, we don't, I don't know a whole lot about him. I've learned a lot more about him this past year uh, since getting sober and clean. Um, But I think, yeah, we, we do follow some of his principles of like, we kind of see what we do, like in our, at least in my head, I see it as like shadow work in a way. It's like, we're going out there to confront our shadow, confront our unconscious and there's no escaping it because at this point, like we've said, like we've been doing it for 10 months. The, in, the uh, intention is so ingrained in what we do. It's, um, it's just powerful, man. I, I don't really know. Yeah. That's what, that's why um, mental health is one of the biggest pandemics right now, bigger than the coronavirus. It's because we don't know how to confront our own being and just how to be alone, you know, like, cause if you're, if you, it's a skill almost in a way to just be able to be by yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> takes practice. But when you can just do that and just kind of just when you're comfortable in your own being, it's like, um, it gives yourself power and kind of like freedom because it's ironic that in this life, a lot of people, what's holding them back is themselves and not being able to confront the dark side. You know what I'm saying? Because we all have to confront the dark side first in order to grow because these things that are that are the the shadow self is it holds us back and we don't even know it's like an unconscious um unconscious barrier that we don't even know but we have to through these rituals and practices whatever it is these things allow us to destroy the barriers um and like I said, it's not always pretty when you destroy them, but like on the other side, it is, you know, it's a, yeah. it's like that process of dissolving conditioning in a way and then becoming a new, it's like a metamorphosis. Yeah. Destroy that's a psychedelic experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a psychedelic experience. And that's why I always uh, liken it to like a childlike state too, because like a child, like when you're a child, you don't have all this indoctrination and, uh, cultural programming and so you're kind of like your brain's kind of like a blank slate like it sees things i honestly believe it seems things more accurately more raw more like uh in the moment you know what i mean yeah exactly without this thought of the future or thought of the past or all this conditioning that's filtering your reality mm-hmm. and psychedelics put you in that state and it can be incredibly valuable to see life again like that but that's not to say that you know having a, a default mode network and these entrenched neural pathways isn't valuable as an adult. It's really valuable because, you know, kids, yes, like a five-year-old to do something, they're going to get distracted or they're, they're not going to know what they're doing. We can like hone our brain really mm-hmm. and specialize it for certain things, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on real quick is you said confronting the dark side and, uh, Man, I, I love Star Wars. Like Star Wars is kind of like, it's like these people have, are living that to the fullest. Like they really have to confront some shit. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a heroic story in a way. I mean, obviously when, you know, Anakin turns bad, it's not, it's villainous, but you know, the Jedi, you know, they're just so, such her- heroic, a heroic, you know, 
subhuman species of people that are just like so strong. So I, I look up to that. Um, I don't know. I just, I, it made me think of that when you said uh, confronting the dark side, but also mm-hmm. I want to say like part of you is like, it's not always easy, but on the other side, so like once you can get through that and really, and I'm not great at it. I still have a long way to go, but that's what I love about this ritual. It's like, I'm doing it every Sunday. We've been doing it for 10 months. Imagine 20 years from now where I'll be. I mean, like mm-hmm. the journey 10, is the destination, man. Yeah. 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 And in, in 10 months I've gotten over more than I've gotten over in my entire life ever really. So I can only imagine, you know, um, but not to set expectations too high, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, when you, you, like you said, there's, it's not always easy. There's, it's really difficult, but once you get over to the other side, I don't know. It's, it, uh, it empowers you every time you can yeah. like get through that and see the other side. It's like, okay, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And mm-hmm. it's okay. It is good to, to sit with these things, whether it's anxiety or fear and not hide from them. Cause for the first 23 years of my life, like, I was, I, I say I was addicted to disconnecting from life, to disconnecting from my feelings and from everything and just escaping. Um, and for the first time in my adult life over the past you know, year or two, I've been able to not escape so much, to actually find the value in just being present. And mm-hmm. to do that, first I had to allow myself to feel of the fear of, a lot of the fears, oh, I just wasted 23 years of my life disconnecting from everything i'll never make that up or something like that and then you feel a lot of guilt and shame for like wasting precious resource of time on earth like why would i do that mm-hmm. but when you realize like it, it's all led you to, to here led me to here right now then it's all valuable even if in that moment it seemed like i was just wasting time maybe i was but now it's allowed me to be more present and and more resourceful with my time yeah exactly everything's a lesson man yeah Mm-hmm. that's kind of one thing you realize too is once you go deep is that these things that you think that we think are going to harm us that may be kind of certain skeletons in our closet or something are really just lessons if you look at them in the correct manner yeah but that's also that's a hard viewpoint to get to at all times to know that things in our life happen for us and not to us you know yeah definitely i uh you know i i struggled a lot because when i was 18 you know before i really did got into opiates and heroin uh my best my best friend committed suicide and i remember um hearing it and as soon as i heard it i don't know if i i was probably just immediately in shock but i i didn't cry i didn't get upset i didn't really have any emotion at all i just kind of i remember i was like numb i was on oh yeah numb 100 percent, and uh and i didn't really even allow myself to feel it for about three three years like literally like three years i don't think i really felt it and when i did feel it it, i didn't really allow myself to really feel it fully um i I, i'm i mean i'm not conscious of what i'm doing at this point either it's just you know i had i think i had a dream and i woke up crying but the ayahuasca um was nice about that is like i was conscious and i was i was able to process that a little bit you know i was able Mm -hmm. to process that kind of let go of it probably more than i ever had before um i don't know i mean i'm sure there's still a lot of stuff that i have to process about it 
but I think I'm much better off right now than I was before the experience because um, the thing about the, the psychedelic is you take it, once you take it, it's in your system. You have to go through it. You, there's no, <laughs> it's no going back. There's no going back. And yeah. So like, do you think there's also no going back and what it shows you as well? You think it's like a door you open and then you can't really, yeah. Yeah. That was like my biggest fear after my first psilocybin experience is like, Oh shit, I, I opened this door and now I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. And that door to me at first was just anxiety, existential anxiety, anxiety of impermanence of death, all this stuff that I've been repressing. But the, the beautiful thing about that is that you, if you're able to see it, have some perspective on it and learn from it. Yeah. And see the value mm-hmm. in it, then it becomes the most empowering thing, mm-hmm. but that's hard to do. Yeah. I think, and I, I, I want to add, like, I think uh, I feel bad for the people that have experiences like this and then are considered crazy. And, you know, people think they're, they're crazy because of their experience. First of all, I want I actually remembered, I wanted to say this in the beginning, but I'll just say it right now is like, I think one of the most disempowering things you can do is tell a person they're crazy either after a psychedelic experience or after really anything because mm-hmm. it's the most dismissive thing. It's like, yeah, you're telling this person they're crazy because you don't want to accept whatever they have to say and offer. And trust me, I, tell, I call people crazy all the time because I just can't relate with them. It's just natural for humans to do that. Uh, but putting yourself in the persons that you've, that you told is crazy, put yourself in their shoes. It must be uh, one of the most lonely places to be when somebody's calls you crazy and then yeah i mean if you over time psych- you start to believe that you know i mean you oh, could. yeah a psychedelic experience that you can't relate to anyone and i know you can't always relate on every everything but if you're just accepted if you can say i had this crazy experience and it was terrifying and traumatic and all, all this and they just say that's okay you know it it's okay you're okay that's like the the best thing someone can do it, it's not really about and, and this is another thing when people want to hear about your psychedelic experience and they're like, okay, well, what, what does this mean? What is this? And they start to analyze it. And it's like, they're tr- in a way they're trying to like either poke holes in it or gain what you have from it. And it's mm. like, it's not, that's not transferable. Like it's just impo- I, in, it's yeah. impossible to do that. You know? And that's the sad thing. Cause like you want to, I remember, you know, after that first experience, I went to my parents and I wanted them so badly to feel what I had felt because it was so empowering. And ultimately i did have an effect on them but it wasn't because of trying to share my experience of like what i went through in a psychedelic it was because i just was open and said i'm struggling right now i'm feeling this i'm feeling that um and i need you guys and they said you know we're here for you and that's it just being open and vulnerable that is what led to the deeper connection not the how i conveyed a psychedelic experience to them mm. that's powerful and, man and it's it's surprising to hear that because I know our mom and she's, she can be kind of, you know, really a, a worry war or kind of uh, neurotic at times. So I could, could imagine, you know, like if I, I could imagine if I were to go up to her and say, Oh, I had this transformative psychedelic experience. She would just go nuts. She would be like, are you kidding? She would, she would lose her mind. Yeah. Be like, why the heck did you do that? I, I could see, I could see. A and that's that. why it was so nice. Cause I, I saw her and, and I said that and I was expecting in a way like, Oh, you shouldn't have done that. But what she said was, oh, that's good. I'm glad it helped. Don't do it again. And it was like a joke, but it was also like she was accepting and she supported me, but she also wanted to show me that she she worries. And that's fine to express too, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. I, our parents, they both work in the medical field, you know. Uh, my dad's a psychiatrist, my mom's a psychiatric nurse, and their views on, on psychedelics has not all, not a, 
not only change from the studies and everything that they've heard, but like I'm proving to them. I mean, we're, we are proof. Our story is literally proof that it is possible. It's not saying that everybody should take psychedelics at all. It's not saying any of that, but it's showing that like the psychedelic does have extreme power. If we're willing, if we're, if we're in the right setting, we're able to cultivate. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think my parents would really believe it if they weren't seeing it firsthand because yeah. they lived with us. They before. may say, they may say they believe it, but they wouldn't. I don't think they're skeptical. I think everyone's skeptical of this stuff. So yeah, I yeah. mean, it's good it's to have not some to healthy be. skepticism. But if you, yeah. yeah, especially when you hear the claims of people like stuff, like well, yeah, I mean, I grew up. My mom's a psychiatric nurse, and my dad's a psychiatrist. They grew up in the psych field, like li- like working in psych wards, like seeing direct experience of people having psychedelic experiences that go, you know, crazy. Yeah, psychotic episodes. And right. Stuff. But, so it's just wild. I mean. <laughs> you know I don't think other people can really believe it in the same way that anyone who lived with Rorty before and then after could either. Cause like me, my mom and dad, we lived with Rory when he was in the height of his addiction. Like that's like the, I've never, you you can't really see someone more kind of destructive than someone in the height of a a addiction like that. Because there's just complete disregard for anything but the the substance or the high, and that's like what what happens over time. And so, it's we 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 did do a video. Uh, we found some footage back when I was not on the heroin, but right after the ayahuasca, I was still on a very high dose of methadone, like I said. And Ryan took some video of me, and we we did a reaction video to that on our YouTube channel. Um, in case you want to just like. I mean, you'll instantly see the difference. Like there's yeah. no, there's 100%. You'll see it. You'll just be like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I'm going to bring it up right now. Yeah, man. Play it live. Quit. All right. My, uh, freak, my hair is crazy. I have a big beard. I'm <laughs> when Rory like, was on the, wired, like right after the ayahuasca, he was kind of, I don't know if he was manic, but he was, he was energized. Mm-hmm. And I had the same thing happen to me after my psilocybin experience. So I was kind of like, okay, this is great energy. Keep using it, but you're going to... I was pushing people away. I mean, what was What's it like? What's the video called? Oh, reacting to a video of myself? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm going to share the screen. It's pretty crazy seeing the difference. Yeah, i just like to say we're reacting to a video of you reacting to yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't hear it so well. So yeah, I mean, you can you can. See, I can see the difference, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and if anybody like watches that video, uh, just the way that I'm talking, my whole demeanor, it's mm-hmm. just, it's this. Uh, it's you can just artificial, see it, man. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like everything that you were saying was like, there was some truth behind it, but it also seemed like it was disingenuine. Like you hadn't done the work yet to like, to get there. And I think in a way that was kind of motivating me to develop this like integration practice, because like I knew from my own experience where I, my depression got better after my psilocybin, my habits got better. And then I relapsed into bad patterns. I knew from that, that I, if I could have something I could return to consistently to keep building upon, it would help me. And I, I thought Rory could use the same thing because at that point he was 
he was very energized and ready to go. But I knew as soon as he went down on his methadone and this, the emotions that he's been repressing started coming out, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. So mm-hmm. I think ultimately that is why Rory relapsed after the ayahuasca because he didn't have any, like the primary coping mechanism for emotion was to distract and to repress it. And now you're left with no mechanism because you don't have the heroin, you don't have the opiate. It's, it's just like all this emotion and you don't know what to do with it. It just comes mm-hmm. pro- projecting out of you and pushing everyone away. And it was really, really hard to live with Rory for uh, a couple months there when he was, you know, going through that transition phase. But uh, I mean, stuck it out and uh, got through it. Now we're better than ever. I mean, we're closer than ever. And I mean, that the saying is always darkest before the dawn. Uh, I, I, I think that quote's very true in a lot of ways in, mm-hmm. our, in our life. Yeah. I think it's important for you guys to tell your story because it's um, something that the world needs to hear, man. And I mean, you're not alone. A lot of people have been helped with the substance, but the more the merrier, you know, like the word has to get out because these things are legitimate medicines that need to be incorporated into our society somehow, some way, or, you know, maybe on your own accord, like trying to explore your own rituals, but there has to be some kind of, um, some kind of way that it fits in to the paradigm somehow. Well, yeah, absolutely. I I agree. I uh, I think you know it might be important to note that like Ryan and I, Ryan especially, but I think everyone in our family is pretty well versed in psychology to some extent. I think I guess everyone is on some extent, but um, you know our whole family studies psychology pretty much. Mm-hmm. And my my dad's a psychiatrist, mom's a psychiatric nurse. I know that's a little different, but my hope my point here is that like have they ever we, done it? Any psychedelics? Yeah, they have. After seeing After how it seeing affected our change, us, yeah. they, oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, our our dad actually was going to the ritual with us for a while, yeah. uh, for a long while, probably like four or five months. Which I never in my life imagined that I would be smoking pot with my dad in the <laughs> yeah. woods at age twenty eight, but there was something very uh, beautiful about it. Yeah, it was so nice having them there. Yeah, yeah, um, but anyways, what I was saying is like we we all have some some knowledge of psychology in the idea that it is good to go into the fear now i i can imagine if none of us had this you know as any education at all in psychology maybe we wouldn't know better so for the people that don't know like i don't i i guess just like I, i'm just like offering like if you want to reach out to us to talk about anything like well at least at the least we can do is just share our, our story uh personally with any anyone that's watching but we encourage one message is like we definitely encourage people to go into the the, the depths of the discomfort and, and stuff and i know that's the hardest thing to to do it's in my life it was even harder than getting off the drugs was being able to sit and feel and just cope without any substance or distraction it's the hardest mm-hmm. thing in the world in my opinion it's the simplest hardest thing to do it's it's yeah. so simple because all you have to do is just sit there but and just feel your mind is telling mm-hmm. you it you don't do that you got to do your mind is the worst enemy when it comes to that type of thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. man <laughs> it's that's crazy it really is man it's but i think that's the paradigm we're moving toward it's like kind of like we're at a point right now where people are exploring themselves a little bit more through yeah. plant medicine also through not using plant medicine i think the mm-hmm. paradigm's also shifting in like 
how do we treat these things like mental illness addiction? Do I go to a, a doctor and have them give me pills or do I explore on my own time with meditation? What What's causing this or oh, yeah. with, with, with another method of like the autonomy is on me, my responsibility yeah. to heal myself, not right. someone else is going to come in here and fix me. You know? that's, mm-hmm. another th- that's another thing we talk a lot about is the um, authoritative, authoritative figure like the doctor or the, uh, even the healer guru, or the guru or the healer or yeah the shaman i mean they have they all are, are provide a necessary uh service and they're very valuable yeah but you, there's you got to use them and not have them use you in a way and, and it's the same mm-hmm. with the substance you got to use the substance not have the substances use you you have to be intentional about how you use them why you use them and what the effect that is that they're having and the only way to really know is to be very present with yourself there's so many variables about how all these things that you can get lost in like uh, cause and effect. Like, did, is this happening? Am I anxious because of this or this or this? You go crazy thinking about that. But if you're just present, you just say, okay, I am anxious. That's okay. Could be because of these things, but I can't determine. Let's just sit with it and see what happens. Often you find it resolves and then you can go back to, to living in the moment. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a intuitional, science of exploring our being like it's like being able to sit with yourself and know if so when you sit with yourself and knowing what whatever comes up and being okay with whatever comes up that's powerful because from there that's how we escape our own suffering and that's how essentially that's what we all want to do right so if we can just sit with whatever is coming up in our head right it doesn't matter like there's kind of that means like you're letting go of the reins in a way and saying it's okay to just be when that's Mm -hmm. the hardest thing that like people are just it's we're afraid to lose control you know but that's that's what you kind of have to do yeah (laughs) And, and people go to the utmost extremes to avoid it, to avoid doing that. The mm-hmm. utmost, the absurd And the thing extremes. is, like, we think by exerting our control that we're having a better effect. But in the, in the reality of it is we're usually creating the opposite of what we want by trying to control our direction, our reality, and, and like avoid certain things. We end up putting ourselves in those situations. So yeah. just like surrendering, being in the moment, trusting the universe it's hard to do. And I think doing that is what develops that intuition. Like a great distinction is if you're able to distinguish between what is my intuition saying and what is my, you know, animal instinct saying the animal instinct will say, eat that food, you know, whatever is sugar, do this, do this, all this stuff that is physiologically driven, but the intuition will make the choices that are best for your, your soul or your, your path. In life yeah, it's 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 definitely of a higher frequency than our animal brain and animal physiology yeah 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 it's like facilitating spiritual growth uh-huh. like a, a a kind of action that we put ourselves in a kind of um discipline or practice or way of life that allows us to grow the part of our being that isn't necessarily just this animal that's just trying to get more and more and more and just you know all me it's, it becomes less about me and more about, like you said before, like community, you realize the importance of that because yeah. that yeah. is an extension of yourself. And, you know, it all relates into that. 
it's just yeah, love, it's like, man. It's just touching on that love frequency, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like intuition versus instinct or something because our intuition, you can rise above your instinct. You can rise above doing this yep. or doing whatever feels comfortable. And that's ultimately like uh, people talk about enlightenment and like, I don't really know if I would really use that term that, that often, but uh, I think part of enlightenment is, is really just, you know, just being in touch with yourself on that level, like mm -hmm. being, being okay and coping in some way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's what it is, man. Is, is okay. So if we can, my, I guess, definition, you can't really define it, but putting it simply, I guess, in a way, enlightenment is first recognizing that there is more than meets the eye in the human being. We're more than just animals. That's the, there's, there's other conceptual models and steps that they have, but really putting it simply is knowing that I'm more than just this reactionary uh, vehicle that's here just kind of uh, reacting to my central pleasures, right? Uh, and once you recognize that, then you're like, okay, then there's got to be some kind of purpose, right? There's got to be something, uh, a certain way to act like the Tao or some kind of way to act accordingly to that part of me that isn't necessarily just driven by animal instincts. And um, once you tap into that, there's no going back. Like that's like a superpower, man. You can heal yourself. You know, you, you are the guru. You are like, it's a, uh, it's something that goes beyond words, bro. But that's kind of what enlightenment is. If you want to like sum it up really quick, like if you like enlightenment one-on-one really simply, it's just recognizing that other part of yourself that is kind of not, of the ego, you know, it's the connection, touching upon that connection. That connection is answers. That connection is yeah, teaches I mean, I think lessons. I, Go ahead. And I, and I think on, on some level, I think everyone knows that on some level or feels that on some level, like even before when I was using drugs, I mean, like I still knew there was more to me than just this, this, this habitual lifestyle like i knew my potential i know everyone knows their potential is greater than they're allowing themselves to really uh feel and accept um mm -hmm. that's it's like about Ryan, being able to tap in man you know yeah exactly um, that because the first step is knowing becoming aware and the second step is being able to tap into that force in a way you know and then from there you can that's when you become the magician you know you can create your own life and do things that you couldn't even imagine before you were able to tap into this. You know, it sounds so crazy, like woo woo, but it's like, there's no other way to explain it. Right. Then like, it is almost like something else that you tap in, but essentially it's just kind of knowing what you are and who you are and acting accordingly to that, you know, and just that just feels good. And then from feeling good, you just live a good life and just good vibes snowball. You know, it's kind of hard to explain, man. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it it's, seems it's kind of it seems kind of crazy, but if you look at like history of humans, that those lessons are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. No matter where you look, yeah. the lessons of you know yeah. be trust your intuition, be in the moment, be yourself. Like one of my one of the most important books I ever read was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and he he says in it that it's not, like we should not ask life what is our purpose or what's the purpose of life we should answer answer as if life is asking us life asks us what is your purpose and yep. we have to answer in how we live we create it yeah, yeah. but i mean it, that's the thing too right isn't so we create the purpose but 
I think a lot of people don't know that the power is in us to create that purpose when we're all creators. That's what a human being is. And you can create something that isn't according to this, this, this force that we're talking about. I think if you can create things that are evil in a way, like, you know, I guess going to the extreme, like Hitler, he, he created something that was according to like some just evil essentially. Right. But I think being able to create, according to this um just good energy good vibes like it's um that's the way like there's no other way than tapping yeah. in and, and spreading the good word essentially like what you guys are doing like is is awesome like that is tapping in and just that's the paradigm that we're moving toward you know like it, it's really a wonderful time to be alive like it seems it really I agree. just the light is I being used- dawned upon humanity of like our our yeah. previous um mistakes and now we're kind of like learning going through this very rough patch um but we're learning our lessons and kind of individually learning our lessons and then from there creating this global community that is growing hopefully that's what i mean maybe i'm a little too optimistic but i just from talking to you guys and talking to other people as well that i've had these um, amazing experience from plant medicines and just general self improvement um shows me that like yo we're moving toward a society that humans have should have been for a very very long time and we just for some reason lost our way and it's interesting to me that these plant medicines come up at this point in time like it just seems like the earth is speaking to us you know in a way i know it sounds like hippie talk but it's like it seems like the earth is literally sending us messages with these plant medicines that like you don't have to really do much. You just eat them like mushrooms, especially you just literally eat them and you go through these crazy experiences. And the same thing with marijuana, like in ayahuasca, all of these things seem like they're trying to tell us to wake up. Right. They're, they, it's like the earth saying that you have to change yourself or else like we're going to kill ourselves. Right. And that yeah. it all, that all relates to the, the bigger picture. But like when you zoom it down, um, these plant medicines allow us to change ourselves through our own, uh, our faults in our ways. And then from there, slowly we build, become human beings. And that, um, contributes to the collective and we are this super being, you know, it seems like we're becoming this one being no recognizing that we are all the same thing, like all connected all together, slowly, but surely, you know, it's a slow process, but I think this is just the dawn of it and stories yeah. like you guys are just, it's it's just like a it's proof that it's working you know <laughs> it's awesome yeah i i want to i want to put it this way uh you said it's really hard to explain um like what enlightenment is or what uh, i don't really i'm not so good at using the term enlightenment because i don't know exactly what other people mean by it but like yeah it's really hard to explain these phenomenal experiences that we go through like an ayahuasca experience so what what can we do then? Well, we can live as though those experiences are real within us, which they are. I mean, that experience is real within me. So I can only live my best way and, and try to uh, try to show people through my behavior and through the way that I live. And if we all do that, truly do that, because that's extremely hard to do. And if I didn't have Ryan and the people around me supporting me, I wouldn't be able to. There's no way I could if I couldn't for I couldn't any of my other adult life. So how could I expect to now? Um, it's really about connection and being with supportive people that will accept you no matter what. And then using that to be your best self 
and you know behave uh, live forthright in the world really and just be the best you can be it's uh mm-hmm. it's, yeah and i mean that's really our mission with everything that we want to do is facilitate connection uh, increase more avenues for people to connect on a deep level i'm not talking about like superficial connection but like people you can go to and confess oh i'm having a really hard time i'm feeling anxious i'm feeling all this and you can be accepted and supported right there and you can you have a community around that you can be with and our ancient ancestors they lived like this you know tribes of 50 people where everyone knew each other intimately and every day every day you 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 lived and died based on the connection you had with the people around you the the food and the the hunting and, and all of this and it's like we've we've been with with how modern society is developed we don't have that risk anymore like we can live a completely isolated life never leave our home and we could we could survive like in the ancient times if you were ostracized if you were on your own you're dead and yeah and we're not saying that we want people to be tribal at all we just want we just want to bridge the gap between you know the connectedness that tribes had and modern day society it's yeah because it's definitely possible to be more connected in modern society there's no reason why we can't one thing that really made me think uh back before i did the ayahuasca ryan was talking to me it was like you know I don't even know our neighbors. He doesn't know his neighbors. He's like, and also um, on some level, I don't want to, but on a deeper level, I do want to. And I wish <laughs> I did, but there's an, in this, in this day and age, it's like, it's, it's weird to, to kind of, yeah, it's almost like you're an outsider. If you try and get to know the people that live around you, cause it's like, yeah. they like, want to stay re- reserved in their own space. Yeah. You know, it is strange, man. Like I live in a, an apartment and there's people below me and I don't know who they are, but like they're, they're like six feet below me right now. And I live with them and I, you know, I say hi sometimes, but like, it's just, it is weird to like live with people. And that's just, that's our society. Now we're just in these very tight, tight knit uh, communities that don't talk to each other. <laughs> Essentially that's a metropolis. It's just a group of people that it just seems like we are just disconnected in a way. It's, it's so weird, man. We're living in a time where we're connected with each other, like at the, at the pinnacle of connection for human history, right? Like we can, I can talk to somebody in Japan at the blink of an eye, like just mm-hmm. instantly. But we're also there's this we're missing like an aspect of our, of our connection in some way. It's like we yeah. we can we we have the ability to connect, but we're not, you know, like we're not actually being genuine. Like there's something missing. Absolutely, um, and that's genuine. Like you know, that's real being there for somebody. I think like actually like listening to somebody talk. I think the whole um, thing about this talk is uh, acceptance and how important acceptance is. And I think it is because if somebody else, when you feel like you're not accepted by anybody, like you just like the world is against you. And then, you know, you, you don't feel worthy of love, essentially of being, you know, that's what kind of, that's a huge aspect of love. And then mm-hmm. when you see that somebody else can accept you, then you maybe say to yourself, well, if, if this person can love me and accept me, then why can I accept myself? So I think it's yeah. important. I think it's cool what you guys are doing. Like with yeah, I mean, in- integration between like this group, man, because it's important to have that. Yeah. And I mean, that's really the story of what we've been through the past, you know, and it's only been like a little over a year. Uh, it's so frigging crazy to think. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's like, like when you said you don't, you feel like you're not um, capable of being loved. That's the epitome of what an addict goes through. Ad- addicts, mm-hmm. in my experience, every addict I ever met 
didn't know how to love themselves and didn't think that they were deserving deserving of, of any yeah. love um but like but we all are 100 yeah, yeah it sounds corny but it's the truth yeah yeah it, it's I think, hard to... i think it sounds corny because it's so yeah it's just like so people just don't want to accept it but it's so true it's yeah. hard to believe you know like if you're in that space of an addict there you don't see another reality besides oh i'm not loved and i don't deserve love there's right. no other op- opportunity and that's what a psychedelic experience can give you is yeah. like can... oh there are other options like it's not just mm-hmm. life life is never not is never just one path that's just not how life is it's infinite and we can help direct it in some ways exactly and ultimately the best way to direct it is to is to accept and have faith in the universe and just go with the flow which mm-hmm. is hard it's hard yeah right yeah. you have to find the flow first yeah <laughs> wow yeah that's that's powerful man yeah like psychedelics or just whatever the practices show us like a different way to to live in a way or just show us other possibilities or just like terence mckenna says the what they do is they they break down boundaries they're boundary dissolving and Mm -hmm. um it might not necessarily be a magic mushroom that is but like whatever you have to do we have to dissolve our boundaries in order to grow and that's what's that's that's what life is all about man (laughs) yeah growth growth is the most fulfilling thing in life yeah and having alternate perspectives on your life is the most valuable thing to to grow in order to grow because then you can make a decision well yeah and stepping outside yourself looking at your life and then you can make a new decision that alters that that's yeah yeah it's weird because i just want to say like that's kind of what addicts are about are using the hair the drugs for an altered perspective that's the power of altered perspective is Mm -hmm. people will go to any any length to get it it's just how can we um how can we support these people getting those alternate perspectives in a healthy, intentional well, way? Use it in a way yeah. that is conducive to bettering the sober life as opposed to just disregarding the, the sober aspect of yourself completely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll tell you when I, when I was, there was a point where I was doing so much drugs and whenever I went without the drugs, I thought something's wrong with me. I, the feeling I'm feeling that's in my body right now, I will never feel normal again. And I truly believed it. I mean, that's what people, feel when they're going through withdrawal they never think they're going to get normal again that's why they never get clean or they get clean and it's just it's just an agonizing withdrawal because you just you think you you fucked up and you think never think anything's going to be normal uh it's uh you know that's it's it's powerful and it's bad it's it's not good you know it's i I feel for people that have to go through it Mm -hmm. yeah it seems like you just get yourself in like a dark hole but like you have to climb out of it, right? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And it and, takes a long time. And, t- and getting out of the hole, you have to first explore a different viewpoint, right? Like yeah. An alternative way to see your life when that's yeah. not always easy to do. Yeah. I mean, you have to believe that there is an alternate path. And mm-hmm. when you're in addiction or, or any, you know, habitual cycle of anywhere you feel stuck you know i've been in it with depression and other things it feels like there's just no escaping it it's just this is this is your life and you can't change it but having a new perspective and the psychedelics are really good at this because they don't only give you don't only give you a new perspective there's this empowerment behind it of like this perspective this alternate reality is is not a fantasy like 
it's there's potential to create this in our life. You can have these experiences more. You can feel more love. This mm-hmm. is something that that you are meant to feel. It's just how are you going to live your life in order to to be more aligned with that. And it's not only the feeling of the love, but it's all the feelings. Allowing yeah. yourself to feel more allows you to to be present and, and get the love that you deserve that everyone deserves. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good, man. Oh, I don't even know where to go from here. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. It's been you guys, great. Uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to get off your chest? Like uh, any finishing statements? I think we can probably wrap this thing up. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I always say, cause this is my best advice is like, uh, me and Rory, when we went out in the woods to start this ritual, we didn't expect much and we're not special. We just decided, all right, let's just try this. And we committed to it after a couple of weeks, didn't know what we were going to do, what was happening. Now it's nine, 10 months later. And the, the value we've gotten from it is more than we could have ever imagined in a, in any dream. So like, mm-hmm. I encourage people to just explore these things. It's not like you have to go out in the woods every week and do this, but just like, maybe you, you have an intuitive feeling of, Oh, I want to smoke this cannabis intentionally with my friends in this spot. And let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. No expectations, I think, or whatever it is, but like, yeah, we're not even saying that we're not even advocating that anybody use cannabis, but yeah. if you're going to try doing it very intentionally and yeah. just, and just be, be open to whatever comes up and try to accept it and then see where that goes. Yeah. And maybe combine it with other things like intentional breathing and meditating or yoga or, or eye gazing, eye gazing mm-hmm. or sitting around a fire in nature. I, I do want to say eye gazing has been one of the most profoundly, um, it is consciousness shifting. It really is. It, it's, it gives me perspective more than, uh, I don't know. It's just extremely powerful in my life. And I'm so glad that we have developed it organically over. Like when we first started this, we didn't, we didn't even do it for the first four, almost five months. And then we just, yeah, it just naturally popped just, up somehow and yeah. we went with it and like yeah uh it's not just alternate perspectives it's it's all these tools whether it's substance the way we think the way we breathe all these different things that can be valuable mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And it's all about intention yeah. if your intention is pure behind it then it'll work whatever it is but it'll work everybody is different but as long as your intention is pure on whatever your ritual is, whatever your practice is, and you have to like, it's different. Like it's an unexplainable um, feeling of that. That is that pureness behind your intention. Like you just know, right. You just know that something that you may need or something you need to do. Right. But it's all about like, if, if you go into it with, in the, with the right headspace, you know, like uh, cannabis is an extremely powerful drug not even drug, it's a sacrament for intentional change. When, you know, you don't always have to watch a movie and smoke a blunt or something. Like if you, that's, I think what you guys are doing is how cannabis um, is supposed to be used. Not saying I follow those rules, I smoke weed just about every day, but it is powerful if you do it in that way, for real. Because it is, it's just like all of these other plant medicines, man. If you just, yeah. they're, they're tools for change. Absolutely. We, yeah, we've noticed all, all sorts of different plants, ones that are very, not even psychoactive, just the, the um, flavor of some type of tea. I mean, that, yeah. and that in itself 
does have the power to change perspective, perspective mm -hmm. uh, consciousness and perspective. But yeah, it's the yeah. re relationship we develop with these things that yeah. really have the effect. It's not yeah. so much the substance. Aspect of everything that goes into it. That's another i do agree um and i just want to say yeah like intention is at the foundation of everything i mean intention whether we are aware of our intention or not intention is behind almost everything mm -hmm. that's karma man that's the essence of karma mm. yeah man whether without psychedelics or rituals like if you're just in, if you, it's all about if your intentions are pure in this life yeah that's all right massive <laughs> i think that's a good line to wrap it up at man yeah definitely it's been well, great talking yeah i appreciate you guys coming on here this was uh this was awesome uh keep spreading the good vibes keep doing your thing it's important for everybody even if like anybody listening has a story to tell about how they change through plant medicines or whatever their ritual or practices i think it's important for everybody right now to tell their story because it's so important because even if it's just one person that watches your videos to the podcast, maybe it might spark something, right? It could change their life. It could save their life. Right. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's not. Yeah. Everyone think, should yeah. share their story. Yeah. I think if anybody has anything to talk about or share that they want to, whether with Gary or with us, like just, just do it. I yeah. will always, always listen. seems like Gary will too, but I will always sit there <laughs> and listen to you because I've been through some, stuff where i just needed somebody to listen to me so uh that's like one service that if anything i can offer is like i will listen to you because i want to i want to i want you to be able to express whatever it is you want to express you know what i mean yeah sometimes we just need somebody to be there for us man yeah yeah and, hey uh yeah it was really good talking with you i was just gonna say like maybe in the future in the maybe near future or future at some point you know we can do this again see where we're at just re reconvene after a, a few months or so 100 percent, man you guys are cool i like talking yeah. to you guys <laughs> I can thank you. you yeah thanks all right Appreciate yeah so uh again. keep fighting the good fight keep doing your thing and uh thanks for listening to anybody that listened but uh, other than that peace out guys all right peace, peace.